The beauty of handstands is that literally everybody can relate. Throughout your life, for sure, you've seen a gymnast, an acrobat, or someone do a handstand, or back in the days in high school, during sports class, you were forced to train gymnastics and to do a handstand. Surely, just like everyone else, you realized handstands are not that easy. Handstands are actually difficult. It's a skill that needs to be trained, strength that needs to be built, and coordination that needs to be developed. If you're not actually training for it, if you don't have a plan how to get there, it's not something that you're just going to pick up along the way. But with a bit of a plan and with some consistent training, anybody can learn to handstand. Once you break into it, you're going to realize it's not that difficult. It's very logical. It just takes energy, it takes time, and it takes consistency. Today, I want to take the time and really break down in detail how to start training handstands at home. And when I say in detail, I really mean in detail. This is going to be quite lengthy. At the end of this episode, you're going to know everything that there is to know about training handstands at home. Literally everything. But I also don't want to waste your time. So before we get into all the details, I want to give you a quick start guide, basically. The most important things about training handstands at home. And if you then want to know more in detail, you just stick around. So the most important thing about training handstands at home, about getting started with handstand training, that you have to forget about the freestanding handstand. Unless you're really, really good at handstands, there's absolutely no reason for you to be training without the wall. Number two, your warm-up is the most important part of your handstand practice. If you don't have a lot of time to do a full training, just do your warm-up. The warm-up needs to be specific. And this warm-up is going to help you feel better and it's going to help you perform better. Don't ever skip it. Number three, you don't have to be flexible to do handstands. You don't have to be flexible to hold your handstand. But the more flexible you are, the easier it's going to get in the long run. It's going to be easier to get up into your handstand, and you're going to be able to do more difficult skills down the road. And last but not least, you need to have a plan in order to get good at handstands. If you don't know what you're doing, you're just kind of playing around and exploring handstands and being upside down, they might be fun every once in a while, but it's not going to get you to your finish line, to your own personal goals. Always keep that in mind. My name is Sasha Bachmann, and I'm your host. Welcome to Handstand and the Rest, the podcast where we discuss everything related to handstands, bodyweight fitness, calisthenics, flexibility, you name it. Today's episode is all about getting started with Hansons at home. Once you're done listening to this episode, make sure you head down to the show notes. Click on the link there, it's going to take you to my website. There, you can sign up for free one-week Hanson bootcamp. Every single day for this week, I'm going to send you one email. In this email, you're going to find three or four exercises towards your very first Hanson workout. At the end of this week, we take all of these exercises, we put them all together and we get one complete and big handstand workout that you can use to start practicing your handstands at home safe and efficiently. But for now, let's get started with the actual podcast. Let's talk about what we need in order to start training handstands at home. The first question is, what should handstand training actually consist of? Handstands are hard, we've already established that. If you've ever tried a handstand, you know that, which means we need a plan. In order to make this plan of what we need in order to train handstands, we need to first understand what the handstand actually is. As the name already says it, we're standing on our hands, which means starting at the bottom, we have our hands on the floor. They should be about shoulder width apart, fingers are pointing towards the front. Moving up from the hands, we get to the elbows. The elbows should be locked. 
They have to be locked. A rule of thumb is to turn the pit of the elbows around 45 degrees towards the front. That works the best. Moving up from the elbows, we get to the head. Look at your hands. Don't discuss this with me. Just trust me. I've done nothing else but handstands my entire life. I've definitely seen more handstands than you, taught more handstands than you, and unless you're one of those two, three people in the world, I've also done more handstands than you. Simply trust me. Look at your hands, okay? You know, back at circus school, there were people who said, no, my handstands are different. I'm autistic. This is odd. I'm going to look towards the wall or if you're without the wall, like in the direction of your chest. Yeah, they, they were working hard. They were working very hard. Two, three years later, they came to a realization it doesn't work. They started to look at their hands and their hands then got significantly better. Just trust us, okay? Many people have tried it before and failed. You don't need to be the one to prove that you don't have to look at your hands. You can't. Moving up, we get to the shoulders. The shoulders are the powerhouse of your handstand. That's where everything happens. This is the most important part of your handstand. Your shoulders don't have to be in a straight line, right? Social media has taught us the most important part of the handstand is this perfectly straight line. So when you're at the beach in California, you know, you got beach, you got what's that, pine trees, all of that beautiful stuff. When you do a handstand between all of this, you need to be in a perfectly straight line so it looks good for the gram. It's cool, it's nice when it looks good for the gram, I mean, I get it, but if you want your hands to be efficient and stable, this straight line is not so important. What's much more important is that you push out tall, you need to elevate your shoulders, you need to push your shoulders all the way up to your ears so you cannot hear me talk anymore. If you ever come to class with me, it's going to be super nice because you can just turn me off by pushing the shoulders out. Getting up from the shoulders, we get to the core. Some people, many people still teach that your core is the most important part of your handstand. You don't need more core muscles when standing on your handstand. When you need, you know, when you're in the kitchen reaching for that cookie jar all the way up, you need just as much core there to stabilize your position. The difficult part is that when you're upside down, you need to relearn how to engage your core. You need to rebuild this coordination of using your core upside down. That's why it might feel like you need more core muscles, but Really, it's the same muscles doing the same work. You just need to be able to engage them upside down. From the core, from the abs, we get to the legs. You have to engage your legs. Imagine you're trying to squeeze the water out of your muscles. That's what you need. At the very end of this chain, we have the feet. Now, I come from gymnastics and I spend a decent chunk of my life on stage. I like to see pointed feet. It's pretty. If you really hate pointing your feet because you don't want to be part of the system and you're a rebel, that's cool. Fully flex your feet. Just try to do one or the other. Your feet have to be engaged. If your feet are anywhere between fully pointed and fully flexed, this means that they're wobbly. And if your feet wobble, so do your calves and your quads and your glutes and your whole handstand is going to wobble. You have to engage your legs. All right. So now that we know how to handstand, we can probably use this knowledge and figure out what we need to train in order to get good at handstands. Starting once again at the bottom, we realized our hands are on the floor, which means the wrists take quite a bit of heat. If you have really stiff wrists like me, you're going to have to stretch your wrists. If your wrists are naturally very flexible, strengthening the wrists is not really going to be a thing because your wrists don't really have muscles. You'll be strengthening the forearm muscles. Your forearm muscles get tight, wrist pain, wrist tension increases. So let's not focus so much on strengthening the wrists since that's a very specific case. But what you want to do is you want to do activation work for your wrists. 
at the beginning of your training, you do a bit of very light strengthening work to activate your muscles to wake up the wrist to be resisting. From the moving up, you get to the elbows. Lock your elbows. We already spoke about this. There's not much happening here. The next thing that we're going to need to train is the shoulders. This pushing out tall is not easy. There's two limiting points really that we're going to hit here, possibly even three. The first limiting point that's kind of used as the main excuse for why people can't handstand, shoulder mobility. Lots of people will say, oh, my shoulders are so stiff, I can't get my hands overhead, blah, 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 I can't handstand. Of course, if your shoulders are super stiff, it's not going to help your handstands. But circling back around, remember, it's not the most important thing to get into a straight line. The most important thing is to elevate the shoulders tall. Now, I know people who have slightly closed shoulders due to mobility or personal choices, whatever, but they can still one-arm handstand, right? And it's the same for you. If you have really, really stiff shoulders, include stretches into your warm-up, include stretches into your daily training, but especially include activation work. Work on elevating the shoulders. This coordination and strength together is going to be what you need. Then the second limiting point, kind of already said it, strength. Some people, many people are flexible enough but simply don't have the strength to lift the entire body weight just with the shoulder muscles. These shoulder elevation muscles is not something that we usually train. So this definitely needs to be a big part of your training. Last but not least, coordination. Again, you might not be used to elevating your scapula. When in the real life do we even elevate our scapula? When we say, mm, I don't know. I don't know, when you're like shrugging your shoulders at school, that's when I would usually practice elevation. Or again, when you're reaching for the cookie jar up on the highest kitchen counter. Besides that, we don't elevate our scapulas that much. So coordination is definitely something that we need to practice as well. Moving up, we get to the core. We said our abs don't need to be stronger than in real life, but they need to be very smart. So we're going to be using gymnastic strength-based core exercises like planks and V-ups to teach our abs how to engage and how to stabilize our entire body. From moving up from the abs, we get to the legs. I said, you just need to engage them. You just need to tighten them up. But let me tell you, it's not that simple. It's not that easy to actually have your legs really, really tight. Especially once you're upside down, there's so much happening. There's so many things to think about and to focus on that your legs need to be an autopilot. So really, this whole leg engagement part should be something that we're training separately so once we get on our hands it just happens automatically then of course we said our legs might need to be flexible yeah the more flexible your legs are the easier handstands get so that's also something we need to train and then of course there's the actual skill of hand balancing the skill of doing handstands again not easy something we need to work on if all of this kind of just sounds like a really long and confusing grocery list and you're starting to be a little bit overwhelmed i get it when I first started training Hanson seriously at age 14, I was extremely overwhelmed with everything and I wished somebody would have like given me a little bit of a checklist or something. Nobody did. But you're in luck because I'm here for that. I will not leave you hanging. We're going to stick to this today until you know exactly what you need to do. So what do we actually need to train to get good at handstands? The very first thing that you need to know and to really understand so when we're training handstands, when we're talking about getting good at handstands, we are not talking about training in the open space without the wall. Because here's the thing. If you're not really, really good at handstands, there's absolutely no point to try to handstand without the wall. It's kind of like learning to juggle. Picture me, little Sasha, 
First day at circus school, they tell us you have to learn to juggle. Because juggling, you know, if you're a circus artist, you got to do that. So here we are. You have your balls, whatever you're going to throw up. You throw it in the air and it falls to the floor. So this first year or two of juggling training, you're not actually learning to juggle. You're learning to throw, to bend over, to pick up and to deadlift. It's not fun. It doesn't look cool. It's useless, right? Your handstands are going to be exactly the same as little Sasha trying to learn to juggle. If you can't handstand and you handstand without the wall, you're going to jump up and you're going to fall. All you're really training is, well, probably one leg muscle, because let me tell you, you're probably only going to be training on one side. So one of your glutes is going to get real strong, real pretty and big. So at the beach force, you got to make sure you put that side to the camera. And then you're probably going to be practicing cartwheels, front wheels, front rolls, crashes, whatever it's going to be. You're practicing it. That's useless. It's not going to help you improve. Instead, we take our handstands and we move them to the wall. At the wall, we actually know how many sets we're going to do and we're going to be able to systematically overload our body because every single handstand that we do at the wall is going to be a success. It might not be perfect. There might be many things that are wrong with it. But at least you know if I do 5 times 10 seconds today, you're actually going to be doing 5 times 10 seconds and not 27 times jump up and fall down. This means we can monitor how much pressure we put on our body and we can actually get better slowly over time. And that's what it's all about. Making this plan, sticking to the plan, getting good, right? Please, don't try to train without the wall. It's just not going to help you. Next thing we need to know about training handstands, the most important part of your handstand training is your warm-up and body prep. Every single workout needs to start with a warm-up. And now... If you're already training a little bit, warm-up probably means, you know, do a couple of dynamic movements, walk around a bit, get your heart rate up, break a sweat, that's it. When we're talking about warm-up in a handstand, it's significantly more than just that. The less experience you have with handstands, the more warm-up you're doing compared to the actual handstand training. Meaning you're going to spend a whole lot of time with shoulder injury prevention exercises, wrist injury prevention exercises, shoulder elevation exercises, basic line exercises on the floor, core engagement exercises on the floor, all of these things that are really going to significantly help you increase your handstand capabilities without actually getting on your hands. So by the time that your warm-up is done, you've already improved your handstands significantly. What exactly goes into this warm-up? We're going to talk about... What exactly goes into this warm-up? We're going to discuss... A little bit later. For now, let's just say your warm-up and your body prep has to be at the top of every single workout and it is the most important part of your workout. Then, of course, after all of this warm-up and body prep, we have the actual part of skill training. Skill training meaning the actual training of handstands, right? Getting upside down in whatever progression you have. Most of the skill training is going to be coordination work. You might not be realizing this right away, but... Handstands is a lot about coordination. If you're able to coordinate your body right, if you're able to put every joint of your body, every little piece into the right spot, your handstand is going to work. Your handstand is going to hold really, really well. Okay? So the skill training part of our training, which at the beginning when you're starting to train handstands is not very long, is coordination work. Where do I put my legs? Where do I put my shoulder? How do things feel upside down? It's not easy. 
and it's never going to be easy. I've been headbanding for 20 years and I'm still surprised sometimes when I think my leg is going that way and then I see it on the video and let me tell you, it's embarrassingly not going that way. Besides skill training, we also have to focus on strength training. We need to actually get stronger. At the end of the day, when everything is really, really good, when you're really coordinated, when you're very good at handstands, and I'm talking about in a couple of years, if you take all of this very serious, it's just going to be about strength, right? The better your technique gets, the less strength you need to handstand. But at some point when your technique is perfect, the only limiting point left is strength. And that will forever be the limiting point because you can always get even stronger. But at some point you cannot get more efficient. And last but not least, of course, you have to include flexibility training into your routine. This might be for your shoulders if you have stiff shoulders, but it's definitely going to be for your legs. Remember, the more flexible you are, the easier it's going to be to get up into your handstand and the easier it's going to be to stabilize and to control your handstand. Flexibility gains are made slowly. They don't come overnight. It takes a long time to get flexible. So I would highly recommend to start now. Because let's say you're going to start training handstand. You set out because you want to like kind of learn to handstand. And then you realize that it's highly addictive. And now you want to get very good at handstands. And you're training and training and training. Then you say, oh, you know, I'd like to learn like a straddle handstand, a one-arm handstand, a press handstand, and all of these things. And that's when you realize, oh, damn, I need to be flexible to do all of these things. I should have listened to the coach and started my flexibility training on day one. But now you're here, you're pretty good at handstands, and you're super stiff. Now you're going to spend the next six months kind of maintaining your handstands while you're waiting for your flexibility to catch up. Don't let this happen. Just start investing into your flexibility today right? So by the time your handstands are good enough to start training for the presto handstand or the one-arm handstand, your flexibility is already there. Like, hey, what's up? I'm ready to go. Don't waste your time. But now you might be saying, coach, what about balance? Like we're talking about skill and strength and flexibility and body prep and blah, blah, blah. But what about actual balance? It's called hand balancing. When do we actually learn to balance our handstand? And here's again my point of don't train without the wall. Honestly, if you're asking about balance, then I know you're not really ready to think about balance yet. Because, yes, it's called hand balancing, but picture yourself standing at the side of the road waiting for the bus. Are you balancing or are you waiting for the bus? You're not balancing when you're standing on your feet. You're not even balancing when you're kind of standing on one foot or walking down the street. So why would you want to balance on your hands? Your hands are very capable. They're big. They can take control of the floor. You have a strong connection with the floor. So the goal is not to balance. You're balancing on a tightrope. You're balancing if you're wearing like ballet point shoes or something. But on your hands, you don't want to be balancing. You need to be controlling you need to grab the floor you need to put your weight into the fingertips you need to take full control of your handstand you do not want to be balancing this is essential this is something that you have to understand and this first time of training handstands you will not feel this yourself you simply have to trust me once again i know i'm asking for a lot of trust today trust me once again and then later when you're getting good at handstands you're truly going to understand that there's no such thing as balance when it comes to handstands. It's about control. And getting good at the wall will help you understand this significantly faster than all the other fools who are training without the wall. Trust me. Now we know what a handstand needs and we know what we need to train. The next question is going to be, which progressions are right for me? Because it's essential that you train at the right level. You want to find a progression that is difficult enough to challenge you 
so you can't like snooze while you do it but you want it to be easy enough that you can do it somewhat clean it doesn't it shouldn't be perfect it doesn't have to be perfect if it's perfect it's probably too easy but if it's rough then you're not going to be training the muscles you need you're not training the coordination the awareness you're just not doing the thing that you want to be doing and there might even be a chance of overload injuries and these kind of things so choosing the right progression is not always easy but it's essential Starting with handstands, it's here where most people make pretty bad decisions when it comes to choosing the right progression. Most athletes drastically overestimate how good they actually are at handstands. So if you think you should be training without the wall, you probably won't be training at the wall. And if the wall makes you very nervous, and if you think you're not good enough to train even at the wall with the chest-to-wall handstand, then that's great. That's completely fine. Take it down a notch. Work on the L handstand with your feet on the table and these kind of things. Beginner-friendly handstand progressions are, for example, a regular push-up hold. That's already a handstand. Now elevate your feet on yoga blocks. You have a push-up with elevated feet that puts more weight into your hands. You're getting closer to the actual handstand. Now picture this. You're in this push-up, feet on the chair. Now you're going to walk your hands towards the chair. Slowly but surely, your hips rise up, and eventually your hands, shoulders, and hips are in one line. You're doing an L handstand with your feet on a chair or on a table. You're getting closer to the handstand. You see where we're going with this? There are many, many ways how you can progress or regress your handstand. You just got to get creative. Next up, we get to strength. Choosing strength progressions is easier because it's a little bit more obvious. If it's difficult and you cannot do all the reps that you're trying to do, then the exercise is probably too hard. And if you can do significantly more reps than what you are trying to do, it's probably too easy. When it comes to strength progressions, you need to see that we basically need to divide our strength in three different categories. We have direct handstand strength, meaning, for example, how long can you hold a handstand, how many wall walks you can do, these kind of things. Then we have compound strength, saying strength that kind of involves all the handstand muscles, like, for example, a pipe push-up progression. And last but not least, we have isolation strength. That being, for example, how long can you engage your legs or how well can you elevate your scapula against an elastic. You need to get good at all of these different things. You need to analyze all of these different things to find out where are your weak points so you can drill in those even more. An important thing to mention here while we talk about strength, about strength progressions, training with weights at the gym is not really going to help you at all with your handstands. If you're very, very at the beginning of your journey and your body is very wobbly and you really have no strength at all whatsoever, training with weights can be beneficial. But as soon as you've created this very basic foundation, training more with weights is not going to help you build strength towards your handstands. Gymnastic strength, handstand strength, it's very, very specific. You need to train with your own body to develop the strength that you need when doing handstands. It's super important. Training with weights is going to give you big bulky muscles. It can be beautiful. They are strong in their own particular way. But this strength doesn't translate weight towards handstands. And it's actually even going to make your handstands a little bit harder. Because you're going to be tired, meaning you have less energy for handstands. Your joints get all banged up. They're going to get sore, which means you cannot push as intensely when you're training handstands. And last but not least, these big and bulky and beautiful muscles, they're heavy. So yes, you might be looking at me right now and say, well, coach, you look pretty dumb right now. Yes, I train with weights a lot. 
I've spent my entire life on stage. I'm trying to impress my wife. So I need to have big, beautiful, bulky muscles. And no, it did not once help me with my technical handstand career. Then, of course, you also need to choose the right flexibility progression. This is, again, something where people like to make mistakes or where people just don't pay as much attention because they think, yeah, a stretch is a stretch as long as it kind of hurts. I'm sure it's doing the right thing for me. It's not that simple. And with flexibility, almost even more important than with all the other things, choosing the right progression is essential. Taking, for example, a hamstring stretch. That's any stretch where you bend forward. We're trying to lengthen the hamstring. If the hamstring stretch is very, very difficult, two things happen. Number one, well, you're in a lot of pain, which means your body is going to cramp up, the muscle cramps up. If your muscle cramps up, it's not going to stretch well. Instead of getting more flexible, chances are high you're just going to get more injured. So you need to find a stretch easy enough so the body can relax. You want to find a stretch that puts you in mild discomfort, but you're able to hold it for a longer period of time. 40 seconds is a pretty good starting point for a nice stretch the second thing that's going to happen if your stretch is too difficult is that your position shifts you're not well aligned anymore taking again the example of the hamstring stretch you're probably going to round your back you're going to try to bring your nose towards your quads or your knee a really rounded back is not going to put the pressure on the hamstring that we're hoping for but it's going to put a lot of pressure on your back so you're all focused on that pain in your hamstring on getting more flexible in your hamstring and in the meantime due to your bad alignment you're injuring your back you see where I'm going with that. It's not ideal. You need to find the right progression for your hamstring stretches and for all stretches that you do. Essential to be efficient, but also to be healthy. Getting into the more exciting part of today's podcast episode, how do we actually build our own handstand training routine? Now that's some exciting stuff. It's essential to make a plan because a dream without a plan is nothing but a wish. And Wishes are nice, but they don't really come true. We got to work to make them come true. Now, why is it so very essential that we have a plan? Not just talking in the long picture, but a daily plan. Every single workout, you should know what you're going to be doing. It's for a couple of reasons. The first one being this progressive overload that we spoke about earlier. Handstands is about a skill, of course, building coordination, understanding how the body works upside down, these kind of things. But it's also about muscle. How, how do we build muscles? We train. During our training, we do little micro tears inside of the muscle. And then we don't train, we recover, and the muscles grow back together with food and all these things, of course. They grow back stronger than they were before. Now, let's say... Your life depends on you doing a little bit of micro-tears in this next training. You're only able to do a little bit of micro-tearing. You're only able to get you a little bit tired and a little bit sore if you know how much you have to do. If you have no idea how much it takes to make you tired, then it's very difficult to go into the gym and say, today I'm going to make myself a little bit tired. And you want to make yourself a little bit tired in every single workout. That's why it is essential that we know exactly what we do. You know, if I do 10 handstands, I'm tired. If I do 15 handstands of this quality, I'm extremely tired. 10 might not be enough, 15 is too much, so 13, that's the sweet spot. That's how many handstands I do this week. You do three workouts of 13 handstands. Next week, we're going to do 14, then 15. Every week, we get a little bit better, we get a little bit stronger, we do a little bit more. But if you're not writing down or at least like mentally taking note of what you're doing, you cannot do a little bit more if you work out because you have no idea. 
The second reason why it's so very important to have a plan is because today you're listening to me talking about Hanson's, you're getting fired up, you're all inspired. Let me tell you, two weeks from now, you're going to remember, oh yeah, I wanted to be good at Hanson's, but you're not inspired anymore. The fire is gone. That's when you need this plan to hold on to it. You're going to have days when you're not in the mood. You're going to have rainy days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have days when you're more distracted. On those days, you want to know exactly what you have to do to just be able to get it done. This is essential. And then, of course, we also have those days when works a little bit harder. Maybe there was a cat fight outside at night and it was really loud and you just couldn't sleep, whatever. You're tired. You're a little bit more sore, whatever. For whatever reason, you get to the gym and you're not feeling good. You realize, oh, I should probably be doing a little bit less. Well, if you don't know how much you usually do, how are you going to do less? How are you going to do more on that day when you had that extra Red Bull and you feel amazing? You need to know how much is your baseline in order to be able to adjust. So without a plan, we're not going to make it there. We're not going to get consistent. We're not going to get good. Now, let's say we have our plan. And this plan consists of daily handstand workouts. Here's where things get exciting. In your daily handstand workout, we've discussed the first thing is going to be a general warm-up. We're going to break a light sweat. Let's say this takes about five minutes. From here, we're nice and warm, we're sweating. We're going to go straight away into leg stretches. If we have the time, we're going to draw this out to 20 minutes. If we don't have the time, five minutes can do. Okay? We're not trying to become contortionists. We're just trying to get a little bit more flexible. From these stretches, we go straight away into the shoulder prehab work. This is your injury prevention work. This will help you get more coordinated and basically strong on your shoulders. But the idea here is it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You do it every day. You just, you just get it done. You don't even think about it. 20 years from now, you were never injured. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, that was probably worth it. No idea what would have happened if I didn't do it. But I also don't want to do. Do it every day. Just get it done. Three to five minutes. It's all it takes. External rotational, internal rotational. Work that entire shoulder rotator cuff. It's really going to pay off. From those, we're going to go into shoulder opening and activation work. Now, this is that block that if you're really good at scapular elevation, if you have rather mobile shoulders, this can get pretty short. If your shoulders are super stiff and you realize this is your limiting point, this block is going to probably be a little bit longer for you. We're going to do some passive stretches, meaning, for example, hands against the wall, forehead towards the wall. We're trying to like push the shoulders open gently. And we're going to combine these with activation work, with scapular elevation training and coordination. A really good exercise for this is you're laying on your stomach, you're looking towards the front, hands out in front, elbows locks, hands shoulder width apart, chest is on the floor. Here we're doing four movements. You push your hands away, sliding them on the floor. Then you lift your hands up, trying to keep your armpits on the floor. It's pretty much impossible. You put the hands back down. That's movement number three. And movement number four, you depress your shoulders, you pull your shoulders back. These four movements together, mixed in with passive stretches, six weeks from now, your shoulders are going to look completely different if you take it serious. After the shoulder activation and opening work, we're going to go into some core activation work. Remember, we don't need to get necessarily much stronger, but we need to get smarter and coordinated. Two, three sets at every single handstand training at the beginning, it's going to do the trick. It's going to get it done. Last but not least, before we can really get upside down, of course, we need to warm up our wrists. Again, if your wrists are really stiff like mine, you're going to stretch a little bit more. If they're rather wobbly, you're going to work on activation work. After your wrists warm up, we do the actual handstand training. If we're starting out with handstands, we're not going to be spending this much time upside down. We're not able to do this just yet. 
four to six sets of very focused handstand work is going to be enough. From the handstand training, we're going to do our handstand conditioning, meaning, for example, push-up walks, walking the hands towards the feet and back, trying to just get movement into the hands, getting used to working on your hands, getting used to fatiguing your arms. Then we're going to do a little bit of core conditioning to get more stable. Yes, I said we don't need to be stronger than what we were before, but it's always good to have this extra strength. So if you're falling out of your handstand, you're going to be able to push yourself back up. And last but not least, of course, we're going to finish with post-workout stretches where we stretch out all the muscles that we use during the workout so we can go back into our day feeling good and also preventing possible injuries right here. It's that simple. Honestly, once you get used to training like this, 25 minutes in and out at the beginning for the first couple months or even years of handstand training can absolutely be enough. You're going to probably realize you stick to this for three months consistently. You're going to make gains. Those gains are going to be so consistent that we're basically going to be back here in three months. I'm going to be explaining to you why you shouldn't train more than 45 minutes, why you need to make sure you keep it easy, right? But start with that, get consistent, and you're going to see those gains. Frequency, intensity, and volume of your training. Those are important questions. Um, you want to tr- keep your volume and your intensity, all of these things, rather low at the beginning. And you actually don't have a choice. Your wrists are not used to standing on. Your wrists were not made for this. You've spent your entire life walking on your feet, not on your hands. You might say, yeah, but I'm used to training, so I'm going to be training a lot of handstands. Yeah, good luck. Six, eight sets into your handstand, your wrists are going to hurt, you're going to be tired, you're going to come down anyways, right? Once your wrists start to hurt, once they get sore, once they swell up a little bit, you need to dial it back. You don't want to make it worse. The more you kick on those already hurt wrists, the worse it's going to get. Dial it back. Keep it easy, right? Build that practice slowly. As a rule of thumb, keep your workouts at like 20 to 25 minutes, three times a week. The intensity shouldn't feel super intense. We're not doing like a high-intensity workout or something, but it should be mentally very tiring. This is full-body work. This is There's a lot of general nervous system work. So it's going to feel intense without actually even really being that intense. It's quite fascinating. Another science to itself is how long you should actually rest between each handstand set. It's a question that I really get a lot. And the answer is, it's going to depend on you. You basically want to rest long enough so you get rid of the pump. You know, Arnold's pump that he lives for, you don't want that when you're training handstands. Your forearms are going to swell up. You're going to see all the veins. It's going to be tight. It's going to be hard. You come down. We need to wait for the forearms to get nice and loose again before we do our next set. So you're able to give everything again. But at the same time, you want to make sure you don't wait too long. You don't want to get cold. And this is a very fine line that you need to find, practice, and adapt. Really important is to keep in mind that, yes, training handstands is a full body effort, but it is at no chance in the world training handstands is a full body training routine. It's going to make your entire body tired, yes, but it's only pushing. There's no pulling work, there's no leg work. So besides your regular handstand training, please, for me, make sure you continue to train your entire body. In an ideal world, you're going to train your legs, 
your pulling work, your running, and you're even going to continue to include pushing work into your routine because yes, handstand is upper body push work, but again, it's a very linear, you're always pushing in the same direction. So you're not going to be able to build a very balanced and healthy full body, right? It's very specific. And going through my career, I've watched a lot of people obsess with handstands and train nothing else. And this works well for a little while, but you always get injured. If you don't keep your body balanced, your body will not stay healthy. If your body is not healthy, you're going to get injured. And if you're injured, you can't train. You can't get better at what you're trying to get better at. So training everything else, even if you don't care about the rest, is really just an investment into being able to train more handstands. If you want to train handstands even more, meaning you want to get even better, you're really eager, but your wrists are kind of holding you back because they can only take this much pressure or your shoulders or whatever, you can get creative. You can always do more for your handstands. You could, for example, do your conditioning work at the end of your handstand training on parallels. On parallels, you put significantly less pressure on your wrists, meaning you can continue to train even when your wrists start to get tired. You could train on your forearms. Forearm stands, when done well, are extremely exhausting. Trust me. Last but not least, you can improve your flexibility. That was the last thing that I wanted to hear when my coaches told me, oh, but if you're, if you're injured, if you can't do handstands, then just stretch. No, I don't want to stretch. I want to do handstands. It's way cooler. Honestly, they were right. Any moment that you don't invest in your handstands, you can invest in your flexibility. The more flexible you get, the easier your handstands will be. Now, we know what exactly you should be doing in your training. We know why you need to be doing it. We, we know how long you want to rest between exercises, how hard your training should be, all of this. The last thing to cover really is, how do we schedule our week? How do we plan our entire week of training? Like I've said a couple of times now, you don't want to just be training handstands. For anybody who's just starting out of training handstands, I recommend to train handstands three times per week. So let's say we're working for five days. Three of those days, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to train handstands. The other two days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we need to train the rest of the body. A good idea here would be, for example, if you don't want to go to the gym, you could go to a park, you could hang your rings, you could do pulling work on rings mixed in with a lot of legs. Legs could be bodyweight squats, single leg squats, or it could also be simply going for a jog or something. It's a big trend to completely ignore about your legs, right? Skipping leg day, all of this gym bro stuff. I get it. If your legs stay really little, they weigh less, your hands might be easier, but it's not nice, it's not healthy, and it doesn't look good, okay? So no matter what your reason is why you're skipping leg day, I'm sure I have a better reason why you shouldn't skip it. Just, just do it, okay? Monday, you're going to train handstands. Tuesday, legs and back. Wednesday, handstands. Thursday, legs and backs. Friday, one more time, handstands. Saturday, Sunday, you go out with the boys and you chill. In those three handstand sessions, two of them should be pushing heavy. Meaning Monday and Friday, you're going to include a little bit of push-ups, overhead pushing, all of these kind of things. And with this, we get a full body routine over five days of the week. Now, you might already have a schedule, a workout schedule established in your life. If you're, for example, on a bodybuilding split and you go to the gym regularly, training with heavy weights, 
I would recommend you to do your handstand training before you pick up the weights. You're not going to be able to hand balance after weight training. You're not even going to be able to train handstands after you train legs. You're going to say, oh, but today I'm doing squats and deadlifts, so I'm not using my upper body, so afterwards I can train handstands. It doesn't work. When your body is fried, your handstands are impossible to improve. Train your handstands before you train with weights. If you go regularly going to yoga class or Pilates or dance, those are moments where you could train your handstands afterwards. Use the yoga class to get in tune with your body, to get super warm, to activate your muscles, to stretch your muscles, and afterwards you train your handstands. That's super efficient too, okay? So depending on what your other activities are, you have to schedule your handstands around them to make sure to get the most out of every single handstand session. Handstands are hard and you have to focus on them. If we train hard, we have to recover harder. And recovery is something that also needs to be trained. Let's put it this way. You want to do a big, heavy handstand training session today and it's going to be one of your first handstand workouts for life. You're going to be sore tomorrow, you're going to be sore again on Wednesday, possibly even on Thursday. Then you do your next handstand session, you're going to be again sore for two, three days. You push this through for two weeks, you're going to do the same workout and you're only going to be sore for like a day and a half or something. The more you train and the more you push your body, the better your body gets at recovering. But let's say you are used to swimming a lot. You're very, very good at recovery from swim training. And swimming is exhaustingly hard. You're not good at recovering from handstand training. This recovery is sport-specific. So the more you're going to train handstands, the better your body is going to get at recovering from training handstands. But we need to help our body to recover right. For that, we need to eat right. And when it comes to food and handstands, we get to the point where handstands can really become a lifestyle. And handstands becoming a lifestyle can be a beautiful thing. But I was always a big believer that handstands and sports and all of these kind of things should create a balance in your life and not additional stress. Our life is difficult enough. Our life is stressful enough. So I do not want to become an additional burden with the handstand training, right? When I say lifestyle, food and handstands, here's the problem. We've established that handstand training is hard, it's difficult, which means you need to eat well to fuel your handstands. But you cannot eat a lot before you train handstands as you're getting upside down and lots of people get quite sick if they eat a lot and then get upside down. This means that you have to schedule, you have to plan your meal intake, your food intake around your handstand training. And all of a sudden your entire life starts to surround itself around your handstand training session. If you're having dietary problems, meaning you're used to overeating or to poor eating, to unhealthy eating choices, getting into handstands and getting very motivated with handstands can help you regulate your food intake, can be a great motivator to get your diet under control. Start eating more healthy, lighter, but energy-fueled meals before training, lots of protein after training, not too heavy dinners so you sleep well and you cover well. This can be a great way of getting healthier, but it's also a great way to just stress about everything too much and we don't want that. We want handstands to be fun and to be a positive aspect of our lives. So don't obsess about it too much, but if you need to, if you want to, it can be a great way of regulating your diet. Now to one of the best things about training handstands. You can train handstands literally anywhere. 
That is the cool thing about it. And I think that's also one of the big reasons why I got as good as I ever got at handstands. I was stuck at the residence of my school, the dormitory, and we weren't allowed to leave throughout the week. It's a pretty freaky story for a different day. It's a weird story. Um, the more I think back to it, the weirder it gets. But it doesn't matter so much. Fact was, from Sunday evening till Friday evening, we had a tunnel connecting the school building and where we were sleeping, and we were not supposed to go outside except for like 45 minutes during lunch. Weird choices were made those days. But hey, here we are. And I wanted to become a circus performer. I wanted to get good, and I was living literally in the catacombs of the school. So I could juggle and I could handstand. Those are the two things that I was like kind of able to do all night everywhere. Because, of course, the bigger things I wasn't able to train since I was a minor and blah, 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 blah. I got good at juggling. And I got good at handstands, and I quickly realized, I think my future wife's going to like handstands better than what she's going to like juggling. So it was an easy decision for me. Now, I'm explaining you this because I want you to understand that being able to train handstands anywhere is a huge advantage. The main reason why I think it's such a big advantage is that we had discussed that when you first start off training handstands, your workouts are rather short, right? If you're only training for 20 minutes but your commute to the gym is half an hour there, half an hour back. You're spending an hour and 20 minutes on a 20 minutes workout. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have a lot of time in your day and you're kind of just trying to find a reason to get out of the house, please go to the gym. If you have your friends at the gym or whatever, um, go to the gym, make it an activity of your day. Cool. But most people work a lot or they busy or whatever the reason or don't want to get into the busy city in the afternoon, you can train your hands at home. You can save a lot of time. Additionally, a lot of people are shy when they're starting out training handstands. Maybe you don't want people at the gym to see you do something that you're not so good at just yet. You're not so comfortable with it. So you can train in the comfort of your home. Nobody can see you. Nobody can judge you. Just keep in mind that no one's ever watched somebody else do a handstand and gotten hurt. You can train handstands at the gym. Chances are people are not really going to look at you. And even if they see you training handstands, and even if you're bad at it, it doesn't matter. Because people just don't care that much. We care so much more about what other people think when they see us train than what those people really think. They might see you do something silly and literally two minutes later they forgot about it. Always keep that in mind. Like, you can train handstands wherever you want. There ain't nothing wrong with it. You can train at the gym. You can train at home. You can train at the park, at the yoga studio, wherever you want. Nobody cares. The thing that most people find difficult, including me, me being the best example, what we find difficult about training at home is that training at home is extremely distracting. Let's say you're training in your living room, you know, you have like a kitchen in your living room, you start doing a couple handstands and you realize, oh damn, the dishes are dirty, let me do a couple dishes between my handstands and all of a sudden you're cleaning the house, you forgot about training handstands. This might sound silly, but this happens to so many people that I know, it's easy to get distracted at home. So if you know you want to be training handstands at home and if you know you're easily distracted, here's what I recommend. Get those things that usually distract you done before you start training handstands. Quickly do the dishes, fold the laundry, put things away that usually distract you, and then train your handstands. If you have roommates that always like to chat with you, go chat with them for half an hour and then tell them, hey, uh, so we've kind of discussed all the news and all the tea. I'm going to go train for 20 minutes. Please don't talk to me. Also, put your phone away. 
Turn Netflix off for 20 minutes. Just focus on yourself and focus on your handstands. It's going to be worth it. But you really have to plan this in your schedule and then just block this time and get rid of all distractions. Just 20 minutes for yourself. It's not a lot. Now, some might be arguing that they don't feel safe training at home or that they don't have enough space training at home. This brings me back to the point that you shouldn't be training without the wall. You should be training at the wall because you need to be really, really good to be training without the wall. And if you're really, really good, then why are you still listening to me talk about how to learn to do a handstand, right? Um, if you're training the appropriate progressions for you at the wall, there's no reason to be concerned about safety because you're not going to be falling over. You're not going to be falling all over the place. You're in control of your movements because you're progressively overloading your body and slowly, step by step, getting better. I understand if your problem is small. Like I've lived in, in New York, I've lived in London, I've lived in tiny, tiny little apartments and I still manage to train handsets. You just have to get creative. Okay, so you don't have a free wall space. I get that. We have codes hanging on the walls, pictures and this and that and that. You probably have a door. You came into your apartment somehow. You might have a window. You can train against that. If you're training against the door, see if you can lock the door because trust me, if you're training on a door and somebody runs into the room full of excitement to spill some tea, you're going to be in pain. See if you can lock the door. If you can't lock the door, put a sign out, put a sock on it, figure something out. But you want to make sure you're safe with that. Besides this, if you're using a kitchen table, chairs, and all of these kind of things, just make sure that they're put together well, right? You want to make sure that there's not one leg of the chair that kind of has a screw missing and you're relying on this piece of furniture to support your weight and then it doesn't. Those are just mistakes and accidents that really shouldn't be happening. So simply double check your surroundings, train the progressions that are right for you and really there's nothing that can go wrong. Another question that you might be having about training at home is how can you actually be sure that your form is correct, that you're doing the right things? And this is actually significantly easier than what you might think. You don't need someone to watch your hands to tell you if it's right. You actually don't even want that because most people who are going to watch you do handstands don't know how to do handstands. If you do your own research and you do your own training, you're going to be the one in your circle of friends who knows the most about handstands. I mean, at the end of this episode, you're probably the one who's listened to the most about handstands and that's pretty cool already. If you want to check on your exercise form, you simply take out your smartphone or your laptop or whatever you're using right now to listen to me preach. You're going to place it. You're going to stand it up and you're going to film your set. Now, here's what you're going to do, though. Before you watch back the video that you just took, you're going to get a very clear image in your head of what you think you just did. And now you're going to take this image in your head and you're going to compare it with that video that you just took. Like this, you're not just looking at what you did, but you're actually comparing of what you think you did with what you actually did. You're going to improve your coordination, you're going to improve your alignment and you're going to improve your general knowledge about handstands. You're going to think, yeah, my leg was perfectly up. But then you see what feels like perfectly straight up is actually 45 degrees towards the wall or away from the wall. And then you can say, okay, now I thought straight up was this way, but actually I was pointing towards the wall. Now for this next set, let me try to go 45 degrees away from the wall with that leg and Maybe that will be straight up. And like this, you recalculate, you recalibrate your brain to understand where your limbs are when you're upside down. This is not easy. This is going to take time, but it's going to really pay off. 
For me, one of the most exciting things about learning to handstand was kind of the mystery of not knowing what comes next, right? Of course, I had YouTube when I was looking at what my other hand balancers doing and what could I possibly learn in the future, but everything in a way felt unachievable for me. So everything that I learned was quite the highlight to me. And I was always so excited when I learned this next drill, what's gonna, which doors are going to open for me, what is going to be next on my journey of improving my handstands and becoming a better hand balancer. I personally thought that was super exciting, but at the same time, I kind of wish somebody would have told me exactly what's coming so I know what to prepare and what to expect. You're in luck. I've helped hundreds, maybe even a thousand people learn a handstand. So I know exactly what is coming for you. I can tell you exactly what you can expect. And the main thing that you have to expect is, well, not to expect too much. Handstand progress is slow. That's just the way it is. And you need to accept this. Because a lot of things have to come together. You need to build joint resistance, flexibility, coordination, strength. And if one of these things falls behind, the other things can't really advance. So it's a constant, slow grind and moving ahead. You might from time to time think, oh damn, for four weeks nothing has happened and I'm completely plateaued, this is all useless, I don't want to do handstands anymore. Here comes it really handy that during training we film ourselves every once in a while to check on our form. If you feel that after four weeks you've completely plateaued and nothing is moving, film an exercise that you filmed four weeks ago and compare those two videos. I'm pretty sure your rep count has doubled. I'm pretty sure what was difficult four weeks ago or like unthinkable, you might still be doing the same exercise, the same two reps of whatever the exercise is. But instead of being the biggest nightmare... It's now something that's fairly easy, maybe even your warm-up. So even though you're four weeks later still doing the same exercises, you didn't plateau. You got stronger, you got more experience, and something that was very, very difficult is now easy. That's not a plateau. But for this, it is important that you consistently train, you consistently film yourself. Because how are you going to prove to yourself that you're not in a plateau if you don't know what you're doing? Now, if you're working towards your very first handstand, if you're really just starting out of handstands, here's basically the, the milestones that you're going to be going through. Let's say you're starting in a push-up position. We said a push-up, it's, it's a very fairly easy handstand. Your elbows are locked, your shoulders are protracted, not elevated, but we're on our hands, right? From this push-up, you're going to go into a pike push-up position with possibly even elevated feet, meaning our shoulders on top of the hands, the feet are on two yoga blocks, the hips are as high up as possible, your knees are maybe a little bit bent because you have tight hamstrings. That's fine. From this pike push-up position, we lift our legs even higher, we get to the L Hansen with the feet on the table. Now, our hips, our shoulders, and our hands are already in a straight line. We can push out tall. We're pretty much in a handstand. Now, from here, it's going to depend a little bit what are your preferences. One next really good step is the single leg L handstand with one foot on the table. You're basically doing a handstand at this point, right? Hands, shoulders, hips, and one leg perfectly aligned. I mean, you're there. From here, we take it to the wall. The wall crowd would be now the first big step. You come as close as possible to the wall. You put chest to wall, of course. You put one foot and one knee against the wall. You sneak the other leg around. You're kind of like 
doing a crow against the wall, a spider, a frog, whatever you want to call it, you're really becoming one with the wall, you're pushing against the wall, but you're doing your first handstand. From here, one leg up, maybe the other leg up, and finally, a chest-to-wall wall walk, with the goal of walking as close as possible towards the wall. These steps that I just described can easily take you six months. That's completely fine. Some people take care of all of these steps in the first week. Other people need six months to do this. That's completely fine because we all have our own starting points and we all grow in different speeds. It's important that you take your time here because you want to progressively and slowly overload your body. If you push too hard, if you train too much, if you don't listen to your body, you might injure your wrists, you might injure your shoulders, you might get a sore back, all of these things. But working through all of these steps slowly and consistently will help you build the coordination and the strength and will set you up for everything that's to come later. Throughout your career of training handstands, you're going to encounter plenty of roadblocks, plenty of problems, trust me. There will not be a period of time when something is not going wrong. That's completely normal. I had an autistic director once who laughed running into problems. I was like, you are a psychopath. What is wrong with you? Every time that we had a problem during the creation for the show, he was like, yes, how cool is that? I'd be like, dude, like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, let's just do something different, move on. He was excited. It took me years to understand why this was so exciting to him. Because if you make a plan, if you just sit down and you make a plan, you're going to create something average. But every time that you hit a problem, a roadblock, you are forced to get creative. You're forced to make an idea to do something new that maybe hasn't been done before to get around this problem. So really, problems are the only thing that are really going to advance us to invent new things, to do something cool and something new. Now, of course, with handstand training, you kind of just want to succeed, so you don't want to have all of these problems. The cool thing for you is that I have had plenty of problems, and my clients had even more problems, but we've solved every single one of them. So, and nothing that will happen to you hasn't happened to me or any of my clients, so I have answers to all of these problems. Looking at the most common problems of when you start training handstands, one of the biggest problems is fear. People are scared of handstands. I argue that you are not. You have respect for your own body. You have respect for movement, for something new, but you're not scared of handstands. You're just careful, and that is great. If you do an exercise and your body is saying, no, 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 let's not do this, your body might be right. Your body knows a lot. You need to learn to listen to your body. It's really, really important. And if your body is very scared, take a step back, do an easier progression, build coordination, build strength, and especially build confidence, and then come back. Again, you don't need to rush this. And if you're really scared of handstands, you're not going to be able to focus on them well enough. You're not going to be able to do them very well. You're not going to be able to, to go 100% with your technique and with your form. Do something easier, revisit this problem later. If two weeks later you're still super scared, maybe we need to consider investing some time and energy into very basic floor acrobatics. Maybe you can learn a little cartwheel. Maybe we can learn a little front roll. Maybe we can go to the bedroom and pull the mattress off the bed and put it against the wall or wherever you're training. So for the worst case scenario, if you do really crash, and I wouldn't know why you would crash since you're doing progressions that are right for you, but let's say it is a problem, at least you can crash onto your mattress, okay? If you're scared of handstands, take a step back. 
It's normal to have fear. It's normal to have respect. Try to understand your body. Try to listen to it and work through it. Besides fear, a big limiting point are elbows. Many people really worry about their elbows, that they don't fully straighten. Now, if your elbows do not fully straighten, we first need to analyze why don't they straighten. The first reason might be that you're missing awareness or strength in your handstand. You're simply not strong enough to lock your elbows out in your handstand. Or you have to focus on so many different things at the same time that there's not enough capacity to focus on your elbows. That's normal. Again, take a couple steps back, do an easier progression. In this easier progression, make sure your elbows are fully locked. When you come back to the harder progression, you've hopefully built extra strength and awareness and now you can keep your elbows locked at all times. Second reason why your elbows might not straighten is because they're not flexible enough. Now, if your elbows are really stiff and they don't fully straighten, then maybe we don't need to fully straighten them because you also wouldn't be stretching the hyperextension of your knee. Your elbows are not exactly fragile, but we also don't want to make them fragile. So you could consider rolling your biceps, massaging your biceps, stretching your biceps, in general, keeping all of your shoulder muscles and triceps muscle nice and loose. But I wouldn't try to forcefully stretch the elbow. It just doesn't make sense, right? Your life doesn't depend on these elbows being locked in your handstand, but your life does quite a bit depend on elbow health. So instead of trying to forcefully make them straight, focus on them just staying healthy. The last reason why your elbows might not straighten is because you had an injury in the past, and now your elbows are just a little bit bent. This often happens just to one elbow. So you have one elbow that's fully locked and one that's a little bit bent. You could consider seeing a physiotherapist or going to the doctor to work on that elbow to eventually straighten this elbow out. But that will, take, that will be a process and that will take time. But in a big picture, it's going to enhance your body performance. It's going to enhance your health. So it's definitely something that I encourage you doing. In the meantime, grab a little book or something and pop it under that hand of the bent elbow so your arms are the same length in relation to your shoulders. Because if you have one arm shorter than the other due to this bent elbow, your shoulders are on a different height, your back is going to be crooked, and we're going to have completely new tension problems. By popping a little book under, both arms in the same height, and you can just train hands like nothing ever happened. The last problem of people learning to handstand at home or in general people learning to handstand is that there's simply way too much noise. Everybody is an expert on handstands these days. And that's awesome because that means everybody cares about handstands and everybody loves handstands. If it was up to me, you would delete all of your social media apps, you would unfollow anybody, you would stop listening to everyone, you would just listen to me. That's not realistic, obviously. You're going to have plenty of people telling you how to handstand. And you're going to probably listen to many people. And that is completely fair. You should listen to a lot of people. And you should take in as many opinions as possible. But do me two favors. Favor number one, no matter what you're hearing, including what I'm telling you, stay critical. Listen to it. Analyze it. Make your own opinions on it and then listen to me. No, really, stay critical of everything. Something might be true for one person, but it ain't true for the other person. You need to really decide what is right and wrong for you. Secondly, you need to give each routine a fair chance. If you find a new handstand workout or a new athletic workout or really anything that you're trying out, give it a fair and fighting chance. A program needs time for your body to show any kind of effect. 
if every time after three or four days you change your workout routine, you change your coach, you change your plan, you will never find out if this plan or this coach was worth something or was kind of just full of it. You need to give these things a fair chance. Grab a plan somewhere, train with it for four to six weeks because sometimes the first two weeks your body adapts, your body's all confused and it's really not great. You feel like it's the worst thing ever, but then it gets really good. Other routines, like often a crash diet, for example, the first two weeks they're hard, but you look amazing, you feel amazing, and then it kind of fuzzle out and they get useless towards the end. But you need to give things a chance. Make a plan and stick to it. That's what matters. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was long and this was a lot. I hope you took some notes and I hope you learned a lot. And I also hope you had a little bit of fun at least. Do me one favor. If you're still listening, that means you really do care about handstands. Head down to the show notes. There you're going to find a link that's going to take it to my website. Sign up for my one-week intro to handstand bootcamp. For this entire week, five days in a row, I'm going to send you three or four exercises every single day with a little intro video. Every day of this week, we're going to look at a different aspect of your handstand training practice. And at the end of the week, you're going to have one full beginner handstand workout that's going to get you started on your journey towards your very first handstand. My name is Sasha Bachmann. Thank you so much for tuning in to Handstand and the Rest. And I'm going to see you next time. Have a good one. Train hard. Stay consistent. I'll see you soon.